Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. 
Breakfast with Champions, and it is now David Spizak, Brian Benstock, and Raylan Davis and myself here. We carry the nine o'clock hour every Monday um, in Glenn's, Glenn's Club here, Breakfast with Champions. So please make sure you're following this club and, of course, marking your Mondays to join us. We love engaging in um, the dialogue that Glenn sets forth. And today we're going to be talking about stop being poisoned by the negativity. And I want to just jump right in and hear what um, everyone has to say. I know the the word, Glenn, that you used was consumption that landed for me that I'll dive into. But, David, I saw you on mic. Good morning. Happy good Monday. Morning, good morning. Good morning. Say. Good morning to you, Babs. Good morning, Breakfast with Champions. Good morning, Brian and Raylan. It's good to be here as always, Glenn. That was a incredibly powerful message, I think. To me, one of the most powerful things about it was just being able to discern in your day-to-day life the difference between things that are extreme and obvious versus the things that seem harmless in the moment. And one of the things, Barb, that we all know that seems harmless in the moment is sometimes people engage in uh, what they used to call water cooler talk, right? They get involved in trash talking, in rumors, in Uh, just chatting it up about somebody else instead of focusing on themselves. And it's so much easier to talk somebody down than it is to talk somebody up. So I'm looking forward to this segment. I'm sorry, I got one more minute left on the Peloton. So I will jump back in. But this is an incredibly important segment because the other thing that Glenn said that's really powerful is a million little, tiny, seemingly tiny choices that you make add up to become your life. They manifest, all of that manifests into where you are right now. And so if you're not where you want to be right now, you're in exactly the right place to be. So I'll pass it back to you, Barb. Ooh, I love that. Go for it, Raylan. I was walking upstairs with a coffee and I was like, I know she's going to call on me. I just know. know. That's how it always Um, works, right? That's how it always works. The one time I was like waiting at the stairs, I was like, okay, is he done talking? Maybe I can. can Is he done with the Peloton is the question. Yeah, I know, right? Um, David is a, is a savage for that. So with, with that being said on the negativity piece, I think what's it's, this keeps popping up for me recently, or at least I should say I'm noticing it more and more and more and more and more. And it's so funny. It's actually my girlfriend that said to me like a few years ago. And for whatever reason, I would attract a lot of negativity. Not that I would talk smack about other people, but people loved coming to me because I think they, they, they would come and they would talk smack about somebody else to me. And I'd always be like, yeah, but what are we going to do about it? You know, what are we going to, how are we going to get better? And I think they liked the idea that I would calm them down. So I thought that was a good thing, right? That would get them on a positive path, but my girlfriend actually is the one that said to me, if they're willing to talk crap to you, they're probably talking smack about you as well, right? So if they're coming to you saying, you know, David Spizak did this, that, and the other thing to you, uh, they're probably doing the same thing about you. It's all true. And, and definitely what David, it definitely is all true. So once I realized this, I was like, okay, well, how can I not contribute to this? And I'm not gonna lie, I, I'm just being honest here, it's hard. Like I went through a phase, right, where I wanted to write down every single time somebody came to me and wanted to, you know, talk smack about somebody else, complain. That's another thing. Complain about where they are or complain about what they have or, or, or 
how many times that one that came to me and two I unconsciously participated in it. And it was a lot. Like I'm again, I'm always gonna be honest with you guys. It was a lot. There were so many times where I found myself wanting to engage in it. Either they would start it or I would start and go, you know, yeah, I would complain about, yeah, I really don't like the way this person's marketing X. Even just that alone, instead of looking and going, obviously that's working. Let me see how I can uh, uh, learn from it and make it even better myself, right? So that's just the first thing that came to mind for me, Barb uh, and Brian and David. It was just, I'm not going to lie. I, I get in, I, it's easy to get captured up in it. And actually, you know, you're talking shit and, or smack. Sorry, Glenn. But you're also, you know, thinking we're, we're, negatively. We're PG-13. That, that word falls in PG-13. Oh, yes. You're okay. Or we should have like a swear jar. We should have a swear jar, Glenn, where we have to like put the dollar in the Venmo and then we give it away at the end no, of the year. No, oh, my no, God. no, no, no. Don't be a light. Don't be a lightweight. So it's funny you say that. We um we go to Rayo's, right? And uh, a good friend of uh, David and mine uh, is a guy named Kenny Hicks. He's got a table at Rayo's. And, you know, the hardest table in in the in the city to get the a table planet. is is Rayos on, on the planet. It's, it's it's unbelievable. Kenny was going there many many years ago, uh, and he was there with a bunch of his his buddies, and they're talking and they're, they're they're cursing and they're having a good time and they're cursing and they're cursing and you know good old time and drinking, and the next day Kenny goes to work, and a couple of guys visit him at work. A couple of guys dressed in suits, big guys, and they said, uh, Hey, you have a good time at Rayos last night. And uh, he goes, well, yeah, well, what's up? He goes, did, did you have a good time? You have a really good time? And Kenny goes, yeah, we had, we had a good time. He goes, yeah, do me a favor. Stay away from there for six months. You can't be there for six months. Now, he's got a table that he gets monthly uh, on a Thursday night. You own the table. And they tell him, don't go there for six months. And he goes, well, what do you mean? What happened? He goes, well, one of our guests there uh, was there with his wife, and he thought you were being disrespectful. And, he recommends you don't go for six months. Now, when somebody from Rayos recommends you don't go for six months, you don't go for six months. And so, so, so ever since, you know, because the boys, right? So, so ever since then, I didn't know. So I'm at a table, and um, we're talking, and we're having da 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 da, and I go boom, and I and I and I and I drop it, and I go okay, hundred dollars in the table. I go, what do you mean hundred dollars? Because you can't curse. I said, well, I I didn't know. He goes, okay, you get a, you get a bogey on that, and. We're there, and by the end of the night, by the end of the night, I put $1,200 in the center of the table, and the other guys at the table put, you know, all sorts of And Cardinal Dolan, the Archbishop of New York, is there at the table, and he comes over, and everybody's, you know, jovial, and Father, uh, and, and he blesses a couple of the guys' crosses and stuff, and he says, Father, we want you to know that because every time someone says something bad, we've got to put this money in, and we're giving it to you to give to the church. And I'm wondering, what's Dolan going to do? He takes the money, puts it in his pocket, and says, you got a, a, a break for the rest of the night. Say whatever you want. The fathers and mothers of the church, all thank you very much. And we got a pass for the rest of the night. But that, So when you're talking about $5, Raylan, no, it's $100. It's $100 in the kitty anytime. <laughs> all right, cool Glenn, story. what do you think? Glenn is at a hundred bucks every time any of us swears in here. Yeah, and you know what we could do? We could buy crypto and we'd be rich. Or... <laughs> well, in, in, in this I case, the father, the, father, the father and the mother of Breakfast with Champions will thank you, Brian. You know, it, <laughs> it, for their, it'll go to their the, the place is such a um, uh, such an iconic place. It's in Harlem. It's on 113th Street. And there's no place to park. And they just said, no, leave the car here. Don't worry about it. Leave the keys in the car. 
I leave the keys in the car, but my car is a special fancy pants car. I said, just leave the keys in the car, don't worry about it. I said, but it's gonna get stolen. Nothing's gonna get stolen here. And uh, nothing gets stolen there, out in the street, in front of Rayo's. It's just an absolute iconic place uh, with everybody, you know, things are going on there at all times. So if anybody ever gets, invites you to Rayo's, stop everything, stop, drop, and go. And the food's good too. <laughs> can, 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 I love it's got a meatball. There's a meatball the size of your head. It, it's it's yeah. unbelievable. So we, we um, Kenny gave me his table one night after we ran the Boston Marathon. A bunch of my uh, teammates and I, and you know, uh, many of the people on the team would have never had an opportunity to get to that restaurant. We went to the restaurant. We all brought our Boston Marathon medals, and we were. If the marathon was on a Monday, and we were there Tuesday night, and Big Tommy comes out of the kitchen and he goes, for a bunch of skinny guys, you guys sure do eat a lot. I mean, because it was one of those, my buddy Rob said, if I'm going to get here one time in my life, I'm going to make the most of it. My God, we ate like locusts at the place. And uh, it's just uh, just an iconic place. But get, going to the, uh, the news and po- uh, poisonous news and headlines, it is tough, guys. It is tough to avoid it. Wherever you go on your phone, whether it be political, whether it be what's going on with the Ukraine, whether it's what's uh, happened with COVID or what's happening with COVID, that poison's out there. And, you know, if there can be any benefit of some of the things that are going on in, in the Ukraine, and my God, it's a terrible situation, we, we are starting to see the coming together of people here in this country. And I think that's a really good positive to come out of it. You know, I, 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 I did not vote for President Biden but he is my president, and I wish him every bit of diplomatic strength and energy that he and his team can put together to negotiate something that's rational and reasonable uh, for our country and for the people over in Ukraine. And you know, so you know, I certainly want to see some success there. But it, it is tough not to get sucked into that vortex of negative news. And I, you know, I don't want to be an ostrich, but at the same time, you can sit there and watch this, these incredible events. And, and somehow a little bit of you dies every time you, you watch it. Some, some, somehow a little bit of that poison gets into your system. So we've got to be very mindful, I think, as Glenn said. Well, I think the word, the operative word in this is consumption. And we focus a lot of time, the food that we're putting in our bodies, but it's the information that we're taking in. It's the people that we're surrounding ourselves with. So when Glenn labels this room, stop being poisoned by the negativity or the toxicity or, you know, whatever that, whatever that lands for you. We do, I I always say, take a checkup from the neck up, uh, take stock of what you're consuming, not only, um, not only social media, but news and the information that you're taking from the people around you. And what I find so frustrating and hope and love this is frustrating for me because I live in a very academic community. I live in Princeton, New Jersey. So I live around professors and academics and very intelligent people. Um, but at the same time, I do feel that critical thinking has been marginalized and we are getting very indoctrinated into streams of consciousness that we're supposed to just automatically digest and assume And what I do love about Clubhouse is this opportunity to say, hey, listen, this was put in front of us. This was put onto the table and let's 
unpack it and let's see what we really think and be a little bit more uh, critical and observant in this space. And I, I, it's, it's imperative. And we, we choose to be poisoned when we choose to buy into certain narratives and we don't have to drink, you know, we don't have to drink it. We don't have to consume. We don't need to turn on that TV or buy into what this person and that person uh, is saying. And it's so important. And I want to take the conversation to less about the news because it's obvious (laughs) I might be in television. Before before you like move past the news, I actually do have a question around this. Because it's something that, so I get some slack or some some flack from some people because I, I don't really care to watch the news like at all um honestly because when i watch the news it usually takes away more than it adds to my life right meaning does it allow me to do something better in my life does it all make me you know like granted if you're in the stock market or something like that i can i can see that i can get that because again the news or what's going on in the world usually does kind of affect your, your day job but i guess my question is this so on the topics that the news usually goes over the covid the just everything in general, the discussion rooms here on, on clubhouse. My, my, my question is this, like, I don't usually go into those rooms and it's because it's like that, that hit of cortisol. It's stressful. It's like, what are we even arguing about here? And the one thing I always think about is, am I really changing someone's viewpoint on X? Oh, let me, let me jump into that. Yeah. So here's the question. Yeah. Is that considered participating in something negative, not because maybe it's a negative thing, but it does affect you negatively, i.e. stress, i.e. unnecessary arguing, et cetera. So I'm curious on oh, everyone's thoughts here. Oh, oh, I love that question, Raylan. And first of all, uh, I debate is important and questioning is so important. Now, whether it's not so much what people are saying it's much as how people are saying it sometimes in these dialogues but i think i i think there is very much a need for it and we need to have it and raylan for so long i bit my tongue i bit my tongue i'm going to lose my my opportunities i'm going to offend people i'm going to lose friends i need to just stay quiet stay quiet stay stay quiet And then slowly I just kept, there was a voice of like, you were given this mountain because you are supposed to climb it and not supposed to walk around it. You are supposed to go over it. And that mountain has been my experience in what is in, and, and my, my walk through, um, some things that are going on that are very relevant. And I started to talk about it and people started coming at me and it was like i was living my worst nightmare but at the same time i was truly living at a higher vibration because i was being authentic i was being truthful i was being passionate and i was advocating for something that i knew to be my truth the truth that it was really hard because i was going against a popular narrative but raylan i could not sleep at night and then when i started to talk And I started to be honest about why I felt this way and why I felt basic fundamental rights were at stake, that liberties were being compromised, that we needed to really take stock of how we were maligning a certain segment of the population. And I started to put it out there. Raylan, I started to sleep again. I was not sleeping because I was holding myself back when I finally just unmiked and was like, listen, I know this is unpopular, but this is very important. And here's the takeaway. 
is that I did move people off their mark. People DM'd me, they called me, and over and over again, it was actually, believe it or not, a lot of men, a lot of husbands would not text me, DM me, or even comment on some of the things I said because they were so scared to lose their jobs. They picked up the phone and called me. I had so many people's husbands calling me saying, thank you for sharing that because we feel the same way. We are just too scared. We can't say anything. Our livelihood is being They were threatened. scared of their wives. That's why they didn't not, text that's you. Not Come true. on. They were scared of their wives. <laughs> I, actually, the wives were, were usually standing right next to them. Um, like some of the guys um, that I can speak to were actually are on Facebook, but under their wives' names, whatever that is. I don't know. But Raylan, I, I do, I, I think they're, yes, it's like um, having uncomfortable conversations with the person that you love, like you have two choices. You can avoid it and fester in, uh, you know, bitterness, or you can go to the mat and be like, I'm here because of a higher love. Like, I, I think that's- And, and Barbara, this is all started in academia today, in universities. It used to be the bastions of free speech. Today, you will get your butt canceled- Absolutely. If you're not uh, singing from the song sheet. And of course, uh, these uh, universities are now producing children that you know you got you say something and they get upset and they you know and they and they get upset and they cancel you and you know unfortunately that's not the real world you know i, I don't i don't think putin is worried about what uh, adjectives or what's what do they call that they them thou i don't think he's worried about pronouns, pronouns. i don't think he's worried about what pronouns the people want to uh, that, that he's shooting are concerned about being called you know he's he's uh, he's, he's not concerned about that at all. And how, how must most of the rest of the world look at us, the things that were so important to us, uh, such as these things like pronouns? And I, you know, I respect anybody who wants to be anything, knock yourself out. But we, we get into these silly, ridiculous spaces over these things that are meaningless. And they only become meaningless when we start looking at, my God, what is going on over there? Our values are under attack, uh, our, our freedom, is under attack. Our mm -hmm. ability to live is under attack. You know, we, I, I woke up this morning in a free country. I don't take that for granted. Um, my son has a friend, uh, Peter, and Peter was at the gym this morning. I know he's, um, he's training to be a SEAL or he's in na naval uh, school. And I asked Peter, what are you doing? He said, well, they gave me some time off right now. And they, why did they, was it expected? No, they gave us, they gave us all a little bit of unexpected time off, they're ready to deploy his butt. And this is, you know, the young man's 19. Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. 15 years old. And, you know, so these things start hitting home that he wasn't supposed to be home right now, but they're giving him a little time to get together with his family before he gets himself on a boat and goes someplace uh, across the planet. And, you know, I think these are the things that we need to understand that are going on with all this negativity over stupid stuff and and and, and to pivot in a, in a different direction if you're focusing on these the poison if you're focusing on the negative you're not focusing on 
what you need to be doing. You're not focusing on your targets, your goals, your objectives, your role in, in making the place a better place. And you can get caught in these rabbit holes uh, in social media or in these rooms talking about negativity. And you know, just so I keep my three main objectives in the top left-hand side of my daily journal. They're on the top three, top three targets and on, the, on the left-hand side there so that every day when I open up that book that particular week, here are the three things that uh, keep you going. And I, I would ask, you know, when you, you find yourself getting distracted, we all do, that you pivot back to those things that are important to you. Not to me, not to Barbara or the rest of the room or Raylan or David, but really those things that are important to you. Because that negativity will suck you in. It'll spin your head up in a bad direction. You can't watch what's going on over there and, and, and not be... Uh, impacted by it. You can't get into a room where people are debating something uh, that's charged and have it suck some of the life out of you. And you may have a release getting your point across, but while you're doing that, potentially you're not taking the steps you need to take or that you want to take in the direction you want to go. Hey, Brian, I wanted to thank your family for uh, your service. Thank you so much uh, for everything you've done. Yeah, you know, I feel thank I you. feel terrible. You know, I got to tell you, I showed this kid, um, it's my fault, right? Three years ago, I showed the kid a David Goggins video, and he got so turned on that he um, he enlisted as soon as he could enlist. And I didn't know it until I found him in my swimming pool when I went to the gym, and he was in the pool with my son. And I went to the gym and I came back two hours later and he was still in the pool. Uh, not dog paddle, but whatever, you're just treading water there. And he said, you know, Mr. Mosek, I'm in training. I'm in training. He was treading water for two hours. I'm like, oh, man. And uh, my, my wife said, what the hell did you do? Uh, I hope this kid doesn't go, you know, uh, go through with this in the list. And he did. So you got to be careful with the words you say and the things you do because people are watching. Hey, you know, real Brian, quick, uh, this is um, Kim Walsh oh. Phillips. My husband is a Marine War veteran, um, served a year in Iraq. So if he could be, if I could be of help of any way to this young man, he loves to talk to young soldiers before they deploy to talk to them about it and to be a point of contact. I'm happy to do that. So just connect with me. Cool. Thanks, Kim. You know, he put on a good face, man. He, uh, he was like, no, it's cool, man. It's what we're training for. You know, and I, I mean, and I, I guess that's the face I want my warriors to have, right? Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I just know there was an incredibly sad picture of about 16 Russian soldiers that were in an elevator in a building in Ukraine going up to the rooftop. And the head of the building saw the soldiers in the elevator and turned off the electricity and took a snapshot of these kids. And whether, you know, again, kids are kids, whether they're Russian, Ukrainian, or American, they're kids. And the look on their faces as they realized that there's 16 of them trapped in an elevator. There, there ain't no way out. You can't shoot your way out. And I said, man, that could be, you know, my, my son. My, you know, I, and and the good outcome there, maybe somebody will sh show them a little bit of mercy and make them uh, prisoners of war, maybe. But just it, it's a, it's awful, and just getting sick to my stomach talking about it. Take yeah, it's uh, one mic. Yeah, well, man, it's it's heavy. It's you know and. And this is the thing, you know, it's ironic, you know, because Brian just said some, what's the last thing he said? I'm getting sick to my stomach just thinking about it. Negativity is palpable. Negativity can literally permeate every part of your body. And it sounds 
it sounds absolutely ridiculous to say that. How can it permeate my muscles? How can it permeate my tissue? How can it permeate, you know, my breathing? It does. Anybody who's faced a very dire, tough decision, tough situation, you felt how it affects your breathing. You affect, you feel how it affects your heart rate. It affects your brain. It affects your outlook. It affects your attitude. And the thing is, is that, you know, you can go into to Raylan's point or question, Raylan, it's a great question. You can go into those rooms provided you have enough gas in your tank to withstand what you might witness. And, you know, I was talking to my, my wife uh, yesterday about the fact how do how do uh, police officers, some of them see what they see and then come home. You can't unsee that and then just be a normal mom or a normal dad and act like nothing happened. Same thing with EMTs. And I brought it up because we happened to be at dinner just two evenings ago and there was a young man sitting by himself. And, um, and so I, I struck up a conversation with him. His name is Marshall. And, and it turns out, Barb, this young guy was a Purple Heart uh, uh, medal winner, okay? And, and trust me, there's no Purple Heart winner who feels like a winner or who wants to win that Purple Heart. You have to go through something severe to be recognized, acknowledged, and given that Purple Heart. But, you know, I, I, I taught, had a chance to talk to him a little bit. You can't unsee the things that he saw on his tour of duties. Kim's husband, I'm sure, can attest to that. All you can do is, is to do your best work to manage your own choices, manage how you uh, handle your life, manage what you expose yourself to. And it's the same way for any one of us. You choose uh, to spend your time staring at the news. You choose. And by the way, have you ever noticed, guys, Whenever there's a major catastrophe, isn't it a little bit demented, a little bit sick, a little bit perverse that news stations take that as an opportunity to increase their advertising revenue? If you notice, they always come up with a catchy name for a catastrophic event who has tragically impacted, you know, tens of hundreds or thousands of people's lives. And then they keep that graphic that somebody's probably so proud that they made. They keep that graphic up on the screen and they push that narrative and they push the, the, uh, the, the catastrophe as long as they possibly can until when? Until something else comes along that's just as charged, that's just as negative, that's just as impactful to a human being. Listen, every day we make choices and what people don't talk about is every choice that we make comes with another choice. Every choice gives birth to another choice. If you choose as a kid to not study in high school, you've chosen to eliminate you know, the majority of your choices for your universities or colleges. You know, if you choose to put uh, piercings all over your face, that's cool, it's a free country, but you've chosen also to eliminate a lot of job opportunities. Every choice comes with another choice. If you choose to drink, you've also chosen if you get in a car to drive home and expose yourself potentially in your family to tragedy. So it's very interesting. And to go back to your point, Barb, or, and Raylan's point, you cannot ever change a human's mind. You can't. But what you can do is do what Barb did. You can provide new information that allows that particular person to draw a new conclusion. So you didn't change their mind directly, but indirectly you did 
because you provided them new information. We, we so call that a, we call that leading someone to discovery. Exactly. And, and when you Thank lead you, them to discovery, they own it because they discovered it. That's right. You know, it's it's mine. I discover it, and I think as managers, as coaches, to lead somebody to discovery. Look, when you do this and this consistently, look here's what happens, and then they do that consistently, and that happens, and they they have a much better chance of owning it rather than you know do as you're told. Do you, 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 we we have to understand it at a deep deeper level, and I I think that was one of those great moments in in my development was when I learned. Uh, influencing people is leading them to discovery, not beating their head into the wall until they repeat what you want them to repeat and still don't understand it or believe in it. They just uh, repeat it just to avoid the pain. When you lead them to discovery, they tend to own it. Hey, Barb, here's one for you. Here's one just as a question to throw out to the room because I know people run into this all the time for negativity, Raylan and Brian. So what happens if the negativity that's in your life or that's part of the negativity that's in your life is coming from a family member? What if it's coming from one of your friends that you've known for five or eight or 10 or 20 years and we're supposed to eliminate negativity, eliminate the toxicity, but it could be in your own relationship. It could be with a friend. It could be a family member. You know, Rec, I think one of the things we should do is maybe touch on recommendations on how people handle that as well. You know, it's kind of, I just literally just talked about this yesterday to some people. And again, I, I'm, I'm not afraid of putting up a good boundary, David. So like for me, you have to remember, I think I talked about it here, but like I have a history of being a victim, like mentally. I'm always, my family, the way that there are some things that happened to us and for us, you know, growing up, you know, my father going away to prison um, you know, witnessing and being a part of some domestic violence, like all those things, they happened. And, uh, but what I found was we stayed there for a while in that victim mentality. And I, you know, I, got, I grew tired of it. Right. So I decided, and, and again, I, forgive me if I mentioned this before, but like, even my grades were suffering. Like I was getting, you know, D's and E's and, and everybody around me was making excuses. Oh, it's okay. that. You know, it's okay that your, your grades are dropping. It's okay that you got in a fight, you know, and, and you're only in elementary school and you're in middle school because, you know, your father went away and, you know, you guys were homeless and all these things. So, so they're giving me the excuses. I'm eating them up. Again, I'm eating them. Like, I'm like, oh, I like being a victim. It's kind of nice, <laughs> right? I don't have to take responsibility for anything. And then one day I just got tired of it. I chose something else. And, but what I found is the rest of my family stayed there. And so I had to make a decision. This was a few years ago to, to kind of put some boundaries up. So I, I have a set of rules. And so like for my own mother, I, I can only be on the phone with her. I'm not joking. 11 minutes because something happens at the 12 minute mark. She starts to, well, this is why my, I'm not, you know, as healthy as I should be. You know, she's got some, some weight issues. You know, we got, you know, she's pre-diabetic, all these things. And I'm like, Hey mom, I think we should you know, work on this. Well, here's why I can't. It's because, and then here comes all the excuses. Okay, cool. Uh, same thing with other family members that I have. We, the thing you have to notice it though, and you can't, uh, here's the hard truth about your family. Yes, they are your family. And should you be there for them all the time? But if you are pouring from an empty cup, it's also okay to say mom, dad, cousin, whatever, you're going to go unread 
if you constantly are requesting things from me, you're going to go unread if you're bringing to me, hey, did you hear what your cousin Susie did? Like, we don't have time for that. And for me personally, I had to put a stop to it because what was happening was I was losing 40 minutes, an hour here, an hour there, going into the family drama or reckon, like going back and remembering and, and almost like talking about the victim you know, mentality that we had before and then the things that I don't have time for it. Why? Because I'm building a new life. You can't be in the past if you're kind, you're trying to build a better future. So if that's, that's my piece of advice is not being afraid to set up that boundary, say, you know what, mom, I got to go after minute 11. <laughs> I also think it's being aware of, you know, and actually listening and not absorbing it into your own narrative. You know, we're going to have people that just want, like you said something so good, Raylan, just now, which is like, yeah, I liked being the victim. And until you realize that the victim role has a very short lifespan, it doesn't take you very far. There's like a ceiling to being the victim. Like you're just going to, it doesn't just, pay well. It, doesn't pay it just well. doesn't pay well. You know, it's, it's a temporary, you know, you know, you get attention, you get, yeah, me too. Yeah, I get it blah, blah, blah. You get the excuse that it's not your fault that you suck. It's because of them or those or this or that. And, and instead of someone saying, hey, but aren't there other people that act like you in the same circumstances as you that made it anyhow? Yeah, but they got, no, no. They just stop with the BS. Let's go. Let's go. And, and I like you, what you just said. It doesn't pay well. Being the victim doesn't pay well. Somebody in this audience needed to hear that because I think we all sometimes can get comfortable with like, a, a, um, yeah, but you don't understand, Barbara, because this happened to my, my parents were divorced. Why well, everyone's parents were divorced? <laughs> yeah, but no, but my parents, it was really bad. Well, is there a good one? No, yeah, come on. Enough already. No, it's Those just, are it's the just, least, Brian. Those are the least exclusive We have triggered Brian. Well, yeah, but, but, but when you're in the club, you think it's your club and you're the one and it's a problem and you don't understand. Yeah, get out of that club. That. Poster child. Yeah. And, you yeah, know, like I mean, you're the winner, winner, chicken dinner. That's not a club you want to win. You want to get out, get out of the, you've been initiated. We all could stay in the victim's club and sit there and commiserate, but it doesn't pay well. I think that was the best line I've heard No, no but then we get, but then we get multi-victims. Oh yeah? Well, I'm in this victim it's class it's and that victim class and I'm a three-time victim. So I really, really need your sympathy. Well, okay? let me share here's this. My, here's my sympathy. What are you going to do with it? It's not going to do anything. It doesn't, it's unproductive. I'm going to share this. So last night I hosted a Zoom call because I'm doing this summer series and we meet every Sunday night. We set our intentions for the week. I'm really specific about, you know, setting, um, setting goals. And I, I open up for dialogue and because I've had some experience, like people doing like highs and lows, I realized that if everyone's to share their highs, their lows are going to be that much more interesting and they can trauma dump and bring down the value of that, of the conversation because it is, it's more interesting. We can all sit there and be like, well, I have to bring a more trauma, trauma to the conversation. So instead of being the highs and lows for the first week in this program, I made it the highs and the goals. I'm like, let's talk about the highs and the goals because positivity keep all ships rise in high tide. So I wanted to keep the conversation buoyant. And if there were things that they struggled with, I asked that they DM and let's see if we can find more intimate spaces of which we can maybe unpack some of your struggles and not make this in, in an environment that isn't productive. So I think, you know, in the vein of this conversation of being in environments, whether it's family, friends, where there's 
unproductive toxicity, you have to find ways to limit, like Raylan just said, puts a time limit on it. He understands he can't help her move her. It's she's, it's, she just wants to trauma dump and that's fine too, but he doesn't want to get sucked into that narrative and that toxic dialogue. You do, you have to put time, time limits, boundaries, and you have to be very conscientious of your own attachment to that narrative. So no, I'm, I'm loving this conversation. So uh, I just had to share that. I had a great group meeting last night. It was like, really spirited. Hello. Who wanted to, go well, ahead. Yes. Yeah, it's it's jazz when I have to go quickly so I can do my exercise. Um, but as far as dealing with family, I'm naturally a positive person. Even my grandmother, she had to get surgery on her knee and she called the knee that she got surgery on her bad knee. And I'm like, nope, do you want that knee to be bad? So she ended up calling it her hallelujah knee. So instead of saying my bad knee, she called it her hallelujah knee, whatever, <laughs> whatever, <funny>. you know, <laughs> just changing people's um. Oh, I got, mindset. I got one. I've got one of those. <laughs> um, and even a friend she called and she, it was weird. Like we naturally speak on like positive things. And then she was telling me about something that was, I felt it in me. I'm like, mm, so what is the solution? How are you going to solve this instead of staying on the problem? So just wanted to share that. I'm going to go exercise. Have an awesome day, everyone. Great seeing you, Jasmine. Uh, you want to talk about your uh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I need to slip wow, in here for That's right up there knees. with sorcery. That was up there. I have some words that sorcery just don't work for hallelala, me. Sorcery and hallelujah, hallelujah. Hey, the best thing that you can do with negative people <laughs> is, 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 to, is to stop them in their tracks. It's to not entertain them. It's to not, it's to, it, it is to share those boundaries and to say, listen, you know, listen, I love you. Uh, I'll be there for you to the greatest extent, but uh, that doesn't mean I have to withstand this. This doesn't mean I have to uh, put myself through this type of constant barrage of, of negativity. That's just not part of the deal. At the end of the day, listen, everybody wants to be the best version of them. Everybody wants to have a great impact. You can't do that when you're mired in negativity. You can't do that when when you are uh, entertaining negativity. You can't do that when you're allowing people to do a trauma dump on you, whether it's at work or whether it's at home, whether it's with family, whether it's with a dear friend, it's all bad. It's all bad news. So, you know, the thing is, is that when it comes to negativity, it also is a choice. And that again, may sound kind of crazy to people sometimes because they feel like, as Brian said, oh, this happened to me, this happened. But I think I've heard you say something long ago, Barb, and, I, and it's, a, it's a brilliant thing to remind people of. When things happen, things happen to all of us, okay? You're not in an exclusive club, none of us are. Things happen, you know, if you just wait long enough, if things are going great, wait long enough, it's gonna turn. If they're going bad, wait long enough, it's gonna turn. But I love the people that change things from saying this happened to me to this happened for me, right? And I believe it was just months ago when you were talking, uh, maybe one of the times I heard you talking about the, the, uh, the choice that you had to make uh, years ago, you know, when you're going through a very challenging divorce and through cancer treatments as well. And, and at the same time, having to be needing to be a positive influence. You know, this was an opportunity. You spoke this morning about, hey, this mountain was put in front of you for you to climb, not walk around. Well, when you had cancer, 
that mountain was put in front of you. And you had either the opportunity to show your kids weakness and show your kids negativity and show your kids, hey, I'm a victim. Or you had the opportunity to show them your greatness, show them your resiliency, show them positivity. And the, the lessons of all the lessons that you taught them as a mama, I don't have any doubt that that's one that's gonna stay with them for their lifetime and serve them for a lifetime. So we all have that opportunity to say, hey, listen, this happened for me. This didn't happen to me. To me is a victim mentality. For me is, is a mentality of power. You're approaching it with power. Oh my by God. The way, I, yeah. Go ahead, Barb. Go ahead. I could I could not agree more. And I quickly thank God I did the door-to-door -door sales because that taught me that I couldn't control much out in the universe. I couldn't control customers. I couldn't control traffic, the weather. I, I couldn't control anything except my attitude. I had full authority of how I chose to handle circumstances that were put in front of me. And when I got that diagnosis on the heels of my marriage imploding in a dumpster fire, I had a choice to kick rocks, feel sorry for myself, you know, and listen, I had those moments because you need to, you have to walk through that fire. I had to like, this That's is, allowed, I remember, though. and it was allowed and I gave myself full bandwidth to do that. Um, you know, I just remember when they called me and they they were like, oh, it's a stage three. And I remember being like, yeah, I don't really think I want that right now. So if you could, I was like, can you give me back? Like, I wanted a stage one, you want a stage three, like can we negotiate for a two? Like I was not on board with the staging and the chemo and all the things. But I realized very, very quickly, I had only, I could only choose how I handled it. And it wasn't going to change if I spent too much time in that space, in the fetal position, feeling sorry for myself. Um, I still, I, I knew I was, mod I had three kids looking up at me. And David, that's really important. And I think it held me to a higher authority of, and my kids got to live, I, I would say even in the times, I was like, there's a reason this is happening while my kids are under my roof. And they can draw upon this for the rest of their lives of how I handled it. And the the beauty too that I think that shouldn't be lost in this conversation in in a negativity and difficult situations is that all three, my, my daughter was too young at the time. So I'm just gonna talk about my boys in this space. My boys were in fourth and sixth grade. So, you know, one still believed in the tooth fairy, the other not so much, but they were watching their mother really struggle. But I, I did show, I walked every single day. Here's what I want to make sure people hear is my kids also saw me break down. Both I had a huge meltdown at the airport in Denver, Colorado, because my oncologist let me go on one trip during my my um, treatment, which was six months, because my oncologist was a skier and my trips skiing with my kids were like very sacred to me. And he understood that. I think we got a hot mic. If we can just snipe that. Um, so he understood that. So I'm in Denver airport and I'll make this brief. And my husband at the time looked at me and now I had infusions and chemo pills. So I had both going at the same time. And he looked over at me, he goes, you are a day late and you need to start your pills. Cause we were eating at the Denver airport. And he's like, you have to start your pills right now. And he said it in a loving kind, like, we, well, you got to get to it. You know, we, you're still in chemo and it, sucked me into this cancer vortex where I had like had a moment of respite of like, I was normal again. I was almost able to ski, not 
completely, but I was able to get out there once and it sucked me back into this cancer, like uh, the cancer ward. When I tell you I melted down, meltdown is not, I was in the middle of Denver airport in a full on ugly cry. And my boys jumped out of their seats, 12 and 10 years old, jumped out of their seats, wrapped their little arms around me, wrapped their little, I could feel their little hands like grabbing my shoulders and mommy, mommy, it's okay. It's okay. And then my youngest little Max fourth grade looking at his father going, daddy, why don't you just take her back to Aspen? She's fine in Aspen and like yelling at his father. And he didn't really have that temperament. And I'm in the middle of a, a like, <gasps> you know, I can't even catch my breath. And I said, it's not Aspen. Aspen boys, I just have to do my work. And so I can, you know, live a long time. And I go just chemo makes mommy not her best. So like I had to recalibrate. But the reason I tell that story is because my kids also saw that I this was not an easy journey for me. They couldn't just see that I was like walking every day and just I was hiding my chemo because there are people that hide that. And there was somebody simultaneously going through cancer treatments just like mine in the same area who refused to talk to me and refused to because she didn't want her kids to know that she that this is what she was going through. And I, I just want to share that because we need to understand that we're also modeling going through difficult times um, and, and how we, you know, choose to handle it, you know, is what embeds upon those that look up to us, those that we're modeling things to, to they're the, those that we're modeling to. So I just, I do talk about like, I walked and I had a great attitude and I had the go get them and they give the tough times to the, they give the toughest battles to the strongest soldiers. And I had all of that going for me, but everyone needs to know that I also gave vulnerability to the experience. And I did have my epic, colossal Denver airport meltdown. And I have no regrets about that. I have no regrets. I know my kids needed to see that um, in that experience and then draw upon it, that that's not where I touched down in that space. I touched down, I allowed it to be part of my experience, but I didn't mire in it. And, um, I got through to the other side. And to this day, if you ask my oldest, he thinks I'm like the strongest woman in Princeton. So but there's another, what a, of, there, all the, I, of, all the, of all the, you know, I've had the, the, the benefit, um, of of listening and hearing your story in a number of different ways. And I have to tell you of, of, of each one of those times, I think this was the most impactful because this really speaks to the humanity of it and the, and the, the reality of it, you know, the real life where you've got kids in front of you and you're dealing with something and, and you are human and you can break down and you can, it's okay to do that. And I love the fact that you say so boldly, I have no, no regrets whatsoever. And, and it was, it's that, it's that you showed them the comeback, you know, you showed them that you were human, that you were mortal. Uh, but you also showed them your strength and your resilience literally in that moment, probably within seconds or minutes of, of that occurring. So Barb, I appreciate, I really appreciate you sharing that, uh, with us. And I think Raylan was about to jump in. Yeah. The only thing, like, again, I think it's, it's always great as parents when we can be honest about what we're going through because what we're look, what we're trying to do is show them how to go through those thoughts, feelings, et cetera, and still get what we need done. Like for me, you know, with my my son's only three, but if I'm struggling with something or if I'm upset or or if I do something wrong, 
like my father never told me like i'm sorry or i messed up so for my son i tell him all the time like ah dad didn't get that right like let's let's talk about it whatever he's only three but i think that's also important to note though that you have to you know make sure that you are not your thoughts like i see this a lot when people um you know in their personal life not let's just throw away the the parenting the kids thing for a second but how many of us go through something and we get caught up in this this whirlwind of emotions and feelings because something goes wrong somebody cuts us off and we're making meaning around that right or or how about the individuals that because you have a bad month or in sales or in whatever it is that you're like oh this must mean that and then there comes the big long explanation of how the universe doesn't want you to win or whatever and so for me it's like i think the whole idea of like negativity and positivity and, and, and everything we're talking about today really comes down to for me is the ability to take responsibility for your even your own thoughts like you can have the thought you can have the feeling but if you internalize that if you make that mean something about you then your results will follow through like if you say you suck at sales you're gonna suck at sales right like if you, if you say you know life just is always hard for me yeah well it's gonna get continue continue to be that way so I think, I don't know, for me, I've been in this, like, I don't know how to brand this yet, but I'm like really big on being selfish for a while. Like, let's be selfish for a while. By that, I mean, I'm gonna selfishly own what I can own. I'm gonna selfishly own my own BS. Like the reason why I don't really participate in everyone else's uh, negativity or listen to the gossip or whatever, is because it's not because I'm a better person than everybody. It's because I got so much crap I need to fix, Brian, Barb's, David. You know how much stuff <laughs> that I gotta fix on my own? Like, how That's am so I funny. gonna right? But I mean, realistically, how can I sit there in a glass house and talk about a you know, David Spizak, you know, talk smack about Brian? No, I gotta fix my stuff first. I think we forgot for a minute that like we still have the ability to take ownership for our own stuff. And I think, honestly, I have this crazy thought that I think everything that, that is the issue in the world today, it stems from us pointing fingers before we address what we have going on ourselves. And if we started from that point, right, of, and let's just take it from a very basic fundamental business part, right? As an entrepreneur, I work with a lot of coaches and they'll say, you know what, Raylan, I don't wanna be salesy. I don't wanna market like, you know, so-and-so, okay? That's pointing the finger. But what if instead we go, well, let's address the fact that I just got to get better at this craft and then I can reassess and do something, you know, whatever later. Like we spend so much time focused on what it's going on over on the other side of the world or in someone else's house or, or, or that we never stop to go, well, what can I do to get better? So I, I get, you know, I'm, I'm bringing back being selfish. Raylan, there's a, there's a gentleman that I always recommend people look up, Lou Tice, God rest his soul. He created something called the Pacific Institute and it's, was absolutely masterful. And one of the things that he taught in one of his main curriculums was he called it captain of the world syndrome. You know, it's that it's that person that always wants to fix. We all know this person, they want to fix everybody around them, but they don't spend two seconds working on their own house. And, and you said something that I don't want to uh, let go by. I wanted to sit there for a minute because it's profound, it's simple, but it's powerful in that it's so much easier to point our fingers outward. It's so much easier to point out what the universe did to us or this person did to us. Or if you think I'm bad, look at her. If you think I'm bad, look at him. 
but it makes so much more sense uh, for us if we do want to get better, if we do want a better life, if we do want to avail ourselves of better circumstances to, to really pay attention to us and focus quietly on what we can do. And yeah, I also wanted to demystify something. You know, happy people, you know, there's people that have a proclivity or, or you know, they just have this tendency to be a little bit more negative or people sometimes will think, oh my God, this happened to me, this happened to me. It's not that that doesn't happen to positive people or happy people. You know, happy people get depressed, happy people have hard times, happy people go through tough things. But I really think that it's what's the difference there is it's the distance that they have between reaction and response. That's number one. Everybody can react to something negative in any way they choose. It's completely allowed. You could do whatever you want. There's nobody that makes up those rules. So Barb talked about it. I can break down in the middle of the international airport. I could even, she could have even grabbed that little loudspeaker that they announced flights on and she could have done on the loudspeaker. That would have been cool. <laughs> That's fine. And that would have been That's such a, a majesty, should have been such a majesty thing to do, right? Because Barb time. goes big. She goes big or she goes home. She could have done that. It's allowable. I'm thinking of it but, next time. <laughs> you got to. But the thing is that you got to remember everybody how much time between reaction and response. That's number one. People that are highly positive, productive, self-actualizing, the time between reaction and response tends to be short. We also know people that they started the reaction, the reaction they had to something three years ago, they're still in the reaction. They're stuck. The second thing is the response. Is your response gonna be negative, happened for me, or, or I mean, happened to me, or positive, this happened for me. So I think it's such a really good thing. If anybody's going through a tough time right now, think about what is your reaction? You could do whatever you want, but how long has it been? How long has it been since you had that divorce? How long has it been since you got fired? How long has it been you know, since you lost your house? How long has it been? How long do you want to live in that? Live in the reaction, move on to the response, and then yes, you have a choice is your choice to make it positive, a learning experience, a growth experience, or is your choice to say life happened to me? Because if life is happening to you, you've abdicated any chance. You, you've, you basically, your life is not your own. You're just kind of wandering through, getting pushed around like a boat without a rudder. So uh, Barb, I've got a coaching class, as you know, every other week, it's usually on Fridays, but this week it's on Wednesday. If everybody, if anybody wants to join it, heck, if everybody wants to join, there's 373 people in here. If you want to join, it's free. You could DM me the word coach here or on Instagram. On Instagram, you high. get the instant link. What's the that? price is too high. <laughs> Isn't that the new hey, value in the world? Yeah, let me give you the other one. I, I don't have the time. Uh, I, I don't have the time. I, I only have 24 hours a day, but that's all they're offering anybody. Yeah, but you don't understand circumstances. Mine are more difficult. You know, David, top producers make a habit to do the things and the activities that average people just won't do. And, you know, we top producers don't, you didn't want to be on that damn Peloton this morning uh, until you were done. Then it felt great having been done and you know it, no you weren't on the peloton at nine o'clock and nine o'clock is six o'clock over there in um uh the communist land what is that uh, portland right. <laughs> right. 
So you may have started at five o'clock. And, and, and with all the, you see, hey, I see hey, all the you're positives making, hey, you're making David Spiesack, with all the negatives that are going on in the country, yeah. David. They're never going to bomb Portland, okay? Those guys or over Princeton. There. They're never going to bomb Portland. You know why? Because Brian, you know why? Because your brethren. Portland will bomb Portland. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. But but and, I, and I'm not We're making also light of have anything. Probably our mask come off in about eight years. I, I'm not making light of any of this, but just so we're clear, uh, New York City is either target number one or target number two on any bad guy list. And I told my wife, you know, uh, the sailboat is going to have diesel fuel in it, and the other uh, little we, our escape vessels are going to be there. And uh, you know, I'm starting to say, hey, here's what we need to, God forbid. Keep our eyes open. God forbid. And, you know, and, and uh, you know, I, I believe out of every difficulty, there is opportunity. And hopefully uh, getting a little, everyone getting a little concerned about what's going on over there is going to remind us that many times you can a- achieve your objective of peace through strength and through discipline and working on those things. And, you know, you don't have the brain uh, that you want. You have the brain that you've earned. And so if you're not happy with what's between your ears, it's okay. You can fix it. You can fix it, but you got to control it. You can't let it control you, the mindless parts of that game where you get caught up in these rabbit holes. So when David talks about having a coaching class and it's free, you know, I mean, I don't know. I'm paying David five figures a month to come work with me, to, to help my team, to educate us. And it's not low five figures, it's five figures a month. And so when somebody like Barbara or David or Raylan say, hey, you know, I've got this, I, I you know, I don't, I, I don't pretend to know how much money David has, but it's pr- pr- I'm pretty sure it's enough. Uh, and, and so he's offering this because I think people at the levels that these cats are at uh, want to provide insight and lead other people to discovery. And to me, I know that's that's as important as the money. In, in fact, it's more important than the money. I think you're so right. And the value is is priceless. I do want to wrap this up because it's 9.59. So our hour is up. But, you know, Raylan, you had also posted a link there. Um, and I just want to give you equal uh, opportunity to promote your coaching opportunities. Uh, you want to talk briefly about that and then we'll pass the mic. Yeah, just for now, it was just a link. If you could DM me uh, the word elevate, and I'll send it over to you guys. It was just my seven questions that I have people answer before they jump in a sales call to increase the likelihood of them buying. Uh, the whole idea is, again, if we can get people pre-interested and pre-motivated before the sales call, it makes sales a little bit easier. So if you want it, just let me know. It's all free. You can check it out there. And But also, make sure, guys, I'm going to be um, looking into joining this coaching session as well, David, because, look, it's all about acquiring more and more skill sets. So even if you don't want to get into the business that David's in or whatever, if you can take and steal like Space Jam in that in that book, right, or in that book, in that movie, Space Jam, when they put the hand on the basketball and they, they take people's skills, that's what coaching really is. And so full transparency, I'm going to go Wednesday to David's coaching so I can steal David's skill sets Do it. so I can Do it. make my life better. Do it. I will tell you this. I will end on this. You know, I'm on that Peloton. I have to give Brian a lot of, uh, I get a lot of credit, all the credit. Listen, Brian, in all honesty, uh, I have the Peloton uh, bike upstairs. I got a tread downstairs. I could have used the tread as a pizza delivery system for months. 
But, you know, when I watch Brian get, I mean, I get up early every day, but I get up and I work and I do other things. I was not, I was working. I was not working out. And so Brian influenced me. Brian didn't change my mind, but he gave me new information. Every time I see him, the guy is Benjamin Buttons. He's getting bigger, stronger, and younger. And I'm like, okay, God gave me a body. I can't, I, I, I can't call this in. And I can't, I don't want to be successful on one end. Brian, you said something. I don't know if you remember, but what is the point of the money if you don't have the health? You know, when, and I've got a five and a seven year old. So that inspired me. And I, make, I've make, been on that bike ever since. Make time for health or make time for sickness. It's your choice. So that's what you, I did. You're going to do one or the other. And I'd much rather make time for, for health. And by the way, you, you know, you get up in the morning. And you get that blood flowing, and I, regardless of how bad it is when you start out, you get that blood flowing, the toxins cleared out of the system. I, it, it's a it's a different high that you can get. And I think it starts starts your day, and you don't you don't have to be an Olympian. Just walk, take a walk around the block, walk to the refrigerator. Don't stop. I the think refrigerator. nothing feels better. Putting a pin on it. Two minutes overtime. Judge Graham, thanks, David. Thanks, Raylan. Thanks, Brian. And thanks, thanks to Barb. all of our community here. Breakfast with Champions, we appreciate you. We're reading the chats. We are seeing the shares in the hallway. And we are here because you are here. And we are very grateful for you. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.